This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan Carpenter. Glad to be here again. And Fred Owens. Hi there. And we are um, just a couple of days away here from the first spring training game. Uh, Likely by the time this is posted, uh, the Braves will be just one day away from their first spring training game on Sunday, the 28th. So, Really excited uh, to see the Braves back in action. Don't know how much we'll actually get to see them in action, but hopefully the games will at least be on radio so we can follow them that way. But um, Braves players definitely back on the field playing some games. Probably be a little bit different spring training than you're used to. Could have some shorter games out of the gates uh, with pitchers uh, kind of getting back into the, the, the feel of things and going shorter in games and them just not having a full uh, normal roster like they normally would have in camp, but uh, definitely exciting. Always exciting when spring training games get going, and then after about a week of it, you're you're ready for the real action. But uh, always exciting for those first couple of spring training games, and uh, it's been a busy busy week for the Braves. Nothing really major, um, but the Braves did uh, pick up Travis Demerit um, again, uh, and this was a, a waiver claim and. Um, Ended up cutting Jeremy Walker as a result to make room on the roster. And Jeremy Walker was picked up later by the Giants, we now know. And then the, the Braves claimed Philip Irvin off waivers and DFA Travis Demerit. And he actually was assigned to Gwinnett, which is uh, great news for the Braves to have that depth there uh, down at Gwinnett. And then the Braves signed third baseman Jake Lamb, uh, probably the, the most notable deal of all these we're going to go through. Uh, Lamb is a major league deal, but it's a non-guaranteed major league deal. Phil Pfeiffer was DFA'd for him, and we don't know uh, Phil's um, resolution at this point. He's still out there in DFA limbo. Quick update, he did clear waivers, and Phil Pfeiffer is still a member of the Braves organization. Travis Snyder was signed to a minor league deal, so just some more outfield depth there, and a player that Alex Antopoulos is obviously familiar with from his days in Toronto. And then the Braves claimed Guillermo Heredia off waivers from the Mets for more outfield depth. And the Braves DFA Jack Mayfield to make room for him. Uh, and he was picked up by the Angels for cash. Um, so a lot of transactions going on this week. Again, nothing really major other than maybe the Jake Lamb signing. as possible um, push Austin Riley there at third base in spring training. But, Alan, go to you first. Any of these deals kind of stick out to you or – just you know what the the whole barrage of deals means for the Braves. Well, this is something Alex Anthopoulos has done uh, a lot in his history, especially he did so when he was with Toronto, where he'd uh, go claim virtually anybody he could off waivers, and then uh, use that 40th spot on the roster to uh, stream them like a like somebody doing fantasy baseball pitchers or something. Uh, 
in in fact, if I were the fortieth guy on the roster, I wouldn't make any long term lease plans right now because uh, who knows where you're going to end up. But uh, what he's trying to do is take advantage of the fact that there's a lot of teams that are sitting right at the forty man limit and see if he can just add some depth cheaply, fill out the AAA roster effectively, and that's. That's okay. Uh, no, nothing uh, harmful about that. Then it's all low risk, uh, generally low reward uh, kind of things. But it'll uh, help out the Gwinnett Stripers ultimately in the end. The fact that he has signed Jake Lamb though is very notable because uh, it does uh, provide that kind of bat off the bench that we've been looking for. If he's in fact fully healthy, he's um, had a history of injuries and. That's been a problem, uh, keeping him on the field and keeping his bat on the field, but he definitely has some pop and has a history of being a hitter. So I, I definitely like that. It's the best thing I've seen for the bench, maybe this soft season. <laughs> um, Jason Kipnis is, is sort of complimentary in, in that way. So between the two guys there, I, I hope they both make the club. I hope they both stay healthy and I, I think it, uh, might provide some, some help or, or, at least backup for for Austin Riley because I didn't think Kung Fu Panda was going to be that guy. So it's it's good to see that they've got another option there. Yeah, Fred. I mean, we've been asking for the Braves to to go get some depth for the bench all off season. I don't know these are exactly the guys we were looking for, but uh, certainly can't help to or can't hurt to. Uh, maybe it won't help either. I don't know, but it certainly doesn't hurt to bring some of these guys in and, and get a look at them and um, just have them there as potential depth. Yeah, I, I'm really, uh, as I wrote last week when we grabbed Jake Lamb, that I'm really uh, glad of that. You know, he he's actually, his two best seasons are about what you should expect from Riley. Um, 250 hitter, 30 home runs. Maybe th- Riley may hit a few more home runs. But if Riley hits, if Riley hits 250, uh, 3, 340, and, and slugs 400 with 30 home runs, we'd take that all year. And uh, that's about what Jake Lamb did when he was healthy. That, and that's a good thing because we don't know whether uh, Austin or Chipper's going to be able to pour something in the water down there and make Austin Riley hit uh, any better than he he has been. I know all the the peripherals say, well, yeah, he's he's been doing this and he's doing that, and I want him to be right. But I'm glad that we have an actual backup plan who could be that guy. Uh, the uh, Heredia signing sort of or, or grabbing him sort of confused me. Uh, we already have Almonte on there for $10,000 less, and uh, they're about the same player, uh, although Heredia's got more major league time and uh, more major league chops than Almonte. So if you've got Heredia, why do you need Almonte? Um, and he has a he has a option for this year, so that's good. Um, at least we're not going to see um, Jack Mayfield and two other guys we don't remember their names on the bench along with Camargo this year. Uh, I still think I think Kipnis makes the bench. Uh, I bet Lamb is there. Um, I kind of think Panda will be there too, uh, along with Camargo and the catcher to be named later. But um, uh, that's that's sort of where it's at. And this is it, what he does every year. He's it's just more noticeable this year uh, because of we waited so late to do it. And he's rushing through them here at the last minute. But last year or the year before last, he was picking up people in spring training and doing this shuffle. And because spring training was going on, we weren't paying attention. So this is what this is what AA does, uh, and uh, it's not surprising. And he's actually got some got some good options there. Yeah, I mean, one of them, 
and I believe this was when AA took over, is he picked up Matt Joyce like days before the regular season started, and he ended up being uh, a big player for the Braves and um, played a big role with them. So sometimes you just you hit on these, and they, they end up playing a big factor in the season. But, uh, again, not not bad thing to have these guys in camp and um, see what they got. In this case for Lamb, just see if he can be healthy, see if he can – you know, push Riley at third base there. If not, at least provide some a backup plan. I'm with Allen. I don't really believe that's I don't believe that's Panda at this point. I I would be surprised myself if he was on if he made the roster. But um, who knows? We'll see how that plays out. But uh, certainly a lot of a lot of moves happening this past week. And again, as you both said, I wouldn't be surprised if we see even more of those throughout spring training as guys get DFA'd by other teams. Um, so we'll, we should see a lot more moves there. You, you bring up Austin Riley and probably a good transition to talk about him for a second because um, Jim Bowden wrote, wrote an article on The Athletic this week with his 10 players that he thinks will break out in 2021. Uh, and he listed Austin Riley on there, which I, I guess isn't surprising if you re- read the article and see what he considers to be a breakout season, which is basically what Fred just described and what I think is very attainable for Riley and that's you know a 250 hitter, you know 25 30 home runs, hopefully the on base around 330. Uh that's the type of player, you know, I think Riley can be and as Fred said if you get that from him, you'll certainly take that, especially out of your, you know, 6th, 7th hole hitter. Um but Fred, I I know, you know, you haven't been as convinced on Riley as others, but uh do you you see him potentially kind of breaking out this season? And, you know, just how that plays out, you know, I think that's going to be, I feel like this is, I guess a better question is, is this the kind of make or break year for Riley with the Braves and what they have long-term with him? Well, you know, I make or break year, uh, certainly I think it's make or break year for Camargo, uh, but uh, that's another horse. Riley's, I don't know that it's make or break. It, it, he, he's been the guy that's going to do it, the guy that's going to do it, and hasn't yet done it, so I think if he doesn't do it, he's going to lose significant value. And then why do you trade him? Why can't why don't you keep trying to fix him? Um, I haven't seen him swing the bat. Okay, we 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 have we have no no way of knowing what he looks like this year. His strike zone recognition was better last year. Um, uh, when he connected, he was making hard contact. The the problem I see with him is is that the off speed and breaking pitch is confusing, um, and that's that's pretty much the Jeff Francoeur mantra uh, and and other players we've seen come up and do that. And I'm not saying he's Francoeur. I'm just saying that that's what he what he's been. And Jeff never fixed it. Austin could fix it if he stays in there and does it. Um, and I think that's why Chipper's there. I really think that they they look they looked around and said. I can't afford to go get Arenado. I can't afford to go get anybody else to play third base. I need to fix Riley. And who can fix that? I know a third baseman that can fix that. Let's bring him in here and uh, pair bond him, uh, put him in the locker right next to him uh, in the locker room there and see if it rubs off. Now, I'm absolutely certain that's why he's there. He can help some other guys along the line, but but he's there to fix Austin Riley. And, and, you know, if he doesn't fix him, yeah, maybe they trade him. I don't know, but I th- I'd hate to see that because Riley's a great guy. But uh, you gotta gotta do it to stay there. Yeah, and Alan, I mean, I I feel like I saw improvements 
for Riley in 2020 as far as his approach at the plate. I mean, I know the results weren't always there, but at the end of 2019, he just went up to the plate completely lost and could just never really, you know, get out of that funk that he was in. You know, last year in 2020, at least you could tell he was he had an approach when he went up to the plate. Um, again, still, you know, obviously the swing and miss there, which you're going to have with him. Uh, and he's just he's going to look foolish at the plate every now and then. But I, I thought his at bats were much better than they were at the end of 2019. So that's why I'm a little more positive on him going in to this season. I'm not saying that, that Fred or anybody else isn't. I'm just saying I, I feel pretty good about him going into the season that he can be that 250 hitter that hits 25, you know, plus home runs, which is what I what I hope for from Riley. That's the type of player. I'm hoping he becomes. I would have loved to have seen him over 162 games. Obviously, we didn't, and that's unfortunate because there was some improvement. Now, Riley has already overcome a lot in terms of his perceptions or the perception of how he is as a hitter and how he's progressed uh, to this point in his career. If you remember, he was in the minor leagues uh, accused of having a slow bat, one that couldn't catch up to – uh, any reasonable fastballs and things like that. And that's something that is very difficult to overcome. If you're, if you're just not swinging quickly, if you're not getting through the zone quickly enough, that's hard to solve. But he solved that and, and has developed himself into a, a major, a competent major league hitter at this point. Now, I'll also suggest that Every time he's gone to a new level in the minors and, and now to the majors, uh, it's taken a little bit for him to get acclimated to the uh, the new pitching, the new ways that pitchers are attacking him, and, and it's been a matter of time for him to get uh, accustomed to that. He's about at that point now where he should be about there in, at the major league level, and maybe 2020 was that kind of progression that we saw to get him to that point. Uh, I sure hope so. My own semi-optimism is that maybe with what he's already been learning and maybe the confidence that of improvement from last year and maybe with Chipper Jones' tutelage, those all come together and, and he will hit better. It doesn't have to be a, a sea change of, a, of of stats. He hit 239 last year. We're, we're only talking about uh, wanting him to hit maybe 11 more points. That's certainly doable. Uh, so he doesn't need to break out per se. He just needs to continue a steady progression. And I think he's got that in him. We'll just have to see how it goes. But I, I, I'm kind of encouraged and I'm kind of hopeful and I definitely want to see it myself and, and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, for Riley, I just wanted to see better at bats out of him. And I feel like I saw that, um, again, there were times in 2019 where it was just a wasted at bat when he went to the plate and you kind of knew that. Um, going in, I, I felt better, more confident in him last year. And like you said, I just, I hope that continues to progress and I feel like it will. I feel like it can. So we'll see what happens with Riley in, in spring training. It's interesting that they brought in Lamb, um, because it, it seemed like, you know, they were all in on, on Riley. And I still think they are. I think Riley, you know, is the guy. It would take a lot for him to, to lose that job in spring training. But it's, it is interesting that they brought in Lamb to kind of, kind of pushed him along there and it's just it's kind of insurance if if things don't work out with Riley and obviously you got Camargo there as well so we'll, we'll see I'm definitely cheering for Riley I want to see him break out and have a big season
I want to talk about the quote of bringing the best 26 players into the season as well as some uh, update on Soroka. But before we do that, I want to talk about a Ken Rosenthal article this past week where he, he talks about the budget constraints of the Braves. And if you kind of want to hear my frustrations on uh, some things that were talked about in the article, you can go to TomahawkTake.com and uh, I wrote uh, wrote about it there. But just a couple of things I wanted to highlight from the article that Rosenthal points out. Um, you know, he talks about that the Braves have, have been in on a lot of free agents this offseason. He specifically is referencing um, relievers, talking about Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, but the Braves just keep getting outbid because they don't have uh, the money available right now. And, you know, that's that's obviously frustrating here, but that's something that, you know, I already kind of knew that. Uh, what really kind of bugged me is the fact that he talks about how at the trade deadline last year that they were so um, tight and just didn't have a, enough room there that the best move they could make was Tommy Malone. Um, and, and that frustrated. And again, I get it was a 2020 is a weird season. I get, you know, a lot of owners lost money um, last year, but to know that you had, you were and and obviously he didn't know we'd end up being one, one win away from going to the world series, but you know, you had to know you at least had a world series contending team and to sit there and not be able to do more, to not at least go out and get somebody like Taiwan Walker, somebody at least better than Tommy Malone, um, that's just kind of sad to hear, especially when you're seeing teams like the Padres who are going all in and blowing the budget, um, you know, to take their opportunity. Uh, you know, the Braves are in such a great situation. You know, they uh, MLB Pipeline did their um, best uh, best 25 under 25 recently, and the Braves had four players on that list. Uh, with Acuna, Ozzy, Soroka, and Pache, you know, all four young, talented guys who are very cheap. You know, it's what every, every team dreams of having. Uh, and, you know, you just wish that they had, had the high payroll of a lot of other top teams to, to build more around them, to put them in a, a better situation to try and win a World Series. So, um, Fred, I know you're more kind of the budget guy and, and have, you know, more of the numbers there. Um, but, and I think you got a chance to read that article as well, but anything else kind of stand out to you and just kind of the Braves, you know, budget constraints that AA has to deal with. Well, I mean, we, he said coming into the year that there was going to be, the payroll was going to be down and they went in at like 150 or 149, 152. So wherever you want to do that, if they, if, if you call it 152 and they stop at 140, which is probably as far as they're going to go, uh, that's only that's not it's not even a 10% cut and when you consider how much money they lost last year and that they're not going to have uh fans in the seats to start the season uh and there's other other considerations extra extra costs to doing all these things it's not hard to see why he's uh, being frugal and looking for good deals some of the deals i mean i'm not a Drew Smiley fan i hope it goes out and throws 190 innings in the 2 ERA and makes me look really bad but i just don't think he's that guy um i i would have probably waited and and i'd have been glad to have morton and i'd probably waited for somebody else but in any case i look at the budget now and i see it you know depending on how you, you know, quantify the 0 to 3 players or the you know the non-roster players the non the non uh, guys who aren't on arbitration eligible yet you've got depending on estimates between 131 and 134 million on the book so Rosenthal said they have 5 million left i can get to that number somehow as well i can up the up the numbers pretty much 
Um, but so if you've got even five or six million left and you have to have something at the deadline, uh, to go out and get a guy, uh, then, uh, it's pretty hard. Uh, and he didn't give up anything from Malone and he got exactly what he paid for it. Uh, he could have gone and got Tyron Walker, um, uh, and given up a little bit because, uh, the, the Jays didn't give up a whole lot for him. Um, and other, there were other pitchers out there. Walker just happens to be the one we've been kicking around here. I just think you're pretty much looking at the squad as it's going to be. And as Alan said earlier, he's going to look through the, as we go through spring training. And if, if somebody falls out, uh, gets kicked off a team because uh, they don't have room for him that fills the bill, you can bet somebody will get DFA'd and pull him in. But I don't think he's going to go much over the payroll. And I sort of expect a couple of these guys who are drawing near a million dollars uh, and uh, are duplicates on the roster, shall we say, to um, get a ticket elsewhere um, after the first, before the end of the first two weeks in, in spring training. But I think you're at 130 Call it 132 million right now, 132.5, uh, and that doesn't leave much for the middle middle of the year. So uh, he's working under those constraints, and everybody is. That's just the way the world is right now. Yeah, and Alan, you know, as I said before we started recording, I, I get the restraints, and and the Braves, you know, they they're spending money. I mean, a, a 140 payroll is pretty good in today's game. That's not necessarily. My complete problem with this, although I do believe if you're in a window like the Braves, you got to go all in. But, um, you know, the Braves are in a different situation, too, being, you know, owned by Liberty Media. So, um, you know, I understand that's a little bit different. But I guess my problem is, is that I hate to say Drew Smiley is going to go out and win a Cy Young because we're going to we're just going to dog this deal. (laughs) But uh, would you not love to have that 11 million back? I guess it's just the, the idea that. That AA went out and spent 26 million on Morton and Smiley before anybody had done anything else this offseason. And now your hands are kind of tied as to what you can do. And we're sitting here with a bench that the best player is Johan Camargo. Yeah, that, that, that's the rub. And that's the thing that's sort of makes you grit your teeth a little bit. I, I will give AA a little bit of rope here in that he has, uh, at least been creative with what he's been trying to do. Um, He's has not still signed a backup catcher. It sounds like he's going to go with one of the minimum wage guys in in Alex Jackson or William Contreras. Uh, he got deferred money for the deal for Ozuna, so Ozuna is only going to make twelve uh, million this year, and the rest of his uh, deal is backloaded. We got to give Liberty Media some credit here. We bashed them several years ago, but uh, they have spent the money. Uh, they went out and I. Uh, took out, I think it was a $150 million loan last year to keep everything afloat, and they're probably going to have to float some more this year to, uh, to keep things going, I would imagine. But uh, uh, things like that are going on. And, yeah, uh, Fred's right. It's the way the market is, is going right now. The glaring need was to get two pitchers, two uh, rotation guys, and Anthopolis decided, okay, we're just going to go get the guys we want, the guys that we think we can get, and get them early so that uh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So for right or wrong, he did that. And now the rotation is is more or less set, and hopefully we've got uh, enough depth and enough innings to get us through the season. I, I hope that's the case. Uh, whether Smiley's a uh, two ERA guy or a five ERA guy, he's, he should be able to at least give us a few innings, and that that's what was needed more than anything else. So 
for right or wrong, that's the way it's been going. When it comes down to the trade deadline, at least they're going to know what need they have to fill at that point as opposed to spending the money now and maybe uh, not having enough to fill a need later. So it's it's a plan. It's it's something that they're, they've essentially got to do this way, and it's just a matter of waiting to see what uh, what happens this uh <laughs> this summer, see if they could do something a little bit better than Tommy Malone, we hope. Yeah. No, if, if that's the case, and that's why we're not spending money now, because he's going to make a big move to the deadline, then certainly all for that. Um, but we'll see how that that plays out. Another kind of interesting quote, uh, and it's really not anything profound here, but basically Brian Snicker you know, said, we're going to take the 26 best players into the season. Um, and I know Fred kind of commented in our, our group chat that basically that means third base center field and the bench spots are, are all up for grabs in spring training. And, you know, again, we already talked about the third base um, job a lot with Riley and then bringing in Jake Lamb, but the center field position is not one we've really talked about a ton. A lot of people just kind of assume that it's, you know, Christian Pache's job. And I, I still think that it is, I think it's his job to lose, but obviously, you know, you have Ender there. You have the ability to move Acuna to center if you, if you want to. Uh, maybe put one of the other, you know, bats that they've signed recently in the outfield. Um, but Alan, I'll, I'll just kind of kick it back to you. You know, what are your kind of overall thoughts uh, on the center field position uh, with Pache and Ender and all the other outfield um, depth pieces that they've brought in lately? Well, of course, I've been an advocate of Pache for the last year, thinking that uh, he couldn't do any worse at the plate than Ender was doing. So the fact that uh, it, it looks like it's Pache's job to lose right now is is a good thing in my my view. Um, the quotes out of, out of camp seem to be very favorable to what he looks like. The fact that uh, he showed up very well in the playoffs last year as a full-time center fielder was was excellent and certainly should give him the confidence to go forward that, and believe that he belongs. And that's that's what you need in order to succeed in the major leagues. You need to have the confidence to, to know that you belong on the roster, that you're a contributor, and that uh, you got this. <laughs> uh, now, in terms of Ender Inciarte, he's going to be on the roster. I don't think they're going to release him. Uh, they would have already, probably, if that, that was the case. Um, but he can still fill a role. Uh, he can run bases well. He can come in and do a pinch hit to move runners over or something like that. Uh, and he could spell Ozuna in left field and, and be a nice defensive replacement late in, late in games. And that certainly should, uh, provide some value. It's probably not $8 million of value, but it's, it's something. So, um, they're, they're going to cobble this together and make it work. But I, I do think it's Pache's job to lose. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. I, w- I want to see what this kid can do full time. Yeah. No, I'm certainly excited about Pache. Like I said, I'm, like I said before, we started recording when we had our our pre podcast. Um, I'm a little worried that Snickers going to get impatient with him if he struggles at the plate, uh, and I, I I'd just rather would see him ride that out, especially if he's giving you Gold Glove caliber defense in center field. It's going to take him some time, you know, to kind of figure things out at the plate. Getting that time in the postseason last year, I think was big for him. I don't understand why he didn't get more time during the regular season, uh, but that's another story. Um, but but Fred, your kind of thoughts on the competition in spring training? Well, I, I'm really certain uh, Pache's got that job, um, and 
just by the way Snickers talking about him, he's bigger, stronger, uh, more confident when he's there. He's got he's worked on his swing. Uh, he's got some problems that he had with his swing last year that have disappeared this year in spring training. And uh, even now, he looks like a different guy. That that was the quote that he uh, gave O'Brien in the Athletic. Even now, uh, just two days or a few days into spring training, he looks like a different guy than he did when he came up to play last year, and he played very well last year. So I think he's ready to go forward. Part of that's due to Ender spending time with him at the alternate site last year and helping him uh, with routes and things in center field and helping him be a better outfielder. Uh, so I, I, I'm... I don't think there's any doubt. And Kylan McDaniel said in his chat to me the other week when I mentioned center field, he said, well, look, Pache is going to hit at least as well as Ender Enciarte. He's going to play better defense. He's going to play center field. And and that's that's really the uh, – that's where you have to hang your hat. Enciarte has to be better than, than, uh, than Pache in center field, and he's not. He's getting older. The legs are not there. Pache's young. He's fast. He glides across the field like Andrew did. Uh, and he's gonna he's gonna own that job. Uh, so I don't see that there's I don't see that that's a problem. I think you know uh, we're gonna sort out who's gonna start where at third base. Uh, we're gonna find somebody whether it's uh, Alex Jackson or Contreras is gonna be the backup catcher, and uh, then they're gonna settle in then, and then the bench jobs are what's gonna shake out of it. And uh, unlike you guys, I think Panda's gonna be on the bench simply because there's a quote in there about uh, Brian likes to have veteran hearts on the bench. So I think that's going to happen. Maybe it doesn't, but um, if it does, somebody's go off. Got to go off the roster. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think Kipnis could certainly be that guy. But apparently, the Braves do like Panda. They brought him back after having him on the team last year. So you could be right there, and he's a he's a switch hitter. Um, but you already kind of have that in Camargo. So uh, I I don't know, but we'll see how that plays out in spring training. Like you said, uh, I'm interested to see. You know, they talk. Everybody's kind of down on the Braves projection-wise. Um, you look at all the win projection totals for the Braves this year, and a lot of that is because people are expecting, you know, regression for players that kind of outperformed their normal levels levels last year. Uh, and that's where you got to get people like Austin Riley, Christian Pache, you know, Dansby Swanson, who had a good year last year, but I still think can be even better. Um, you get those guys to, you know, to to step up and be, you know, outproduce their norms, and then. You know, the Braves are right back, you know, where they, they should be atop the division. So, you know, I certainly, you know, as, as I, as I know, there will be regression for some of the Braves players. There certainly is room for a lot of guys to step up and be even better as well. And I'm really excited about Acuna season two. I keep talking about it. Um, everybody, every ranking or poll I've seen this offseason has him, you know, ranked behind Soto and Tatis Jr. And I, I got to think that's fueling Acuna's fire even more. Um, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't need any. He plays with, you know, the same type of fire and energy every game, just you know, no matter what. But I'm really just hoping he stays healthy this season and, you know, comes out and shows why he's the, the best young player in the game. thing I want to talk about real quick before we get out of here, just a quick update on Mike Soroka. We did get some really good news on him. He's been throwing off the mound for a while, been doing some agility work, fielding bunts, which is huge uh, considering the way that he was injured. So uh, it's looking like everything's going 
know, according to plan, they're still, they haven't really set a, set a timetable for him. As we kind of talked about on the last podcast, I, I'd expect, you know, late April, early May at, at the best. Um, there's really, you know, not a huge rush for the Braves, you know, to get him back. Certainly you want Soroka, you know, every, whenever he's available, but, uh, the Braves can, can be a little bit patient with him. They have, you know, like I said last time, they got, they have some other starters down there that can fill in, you know, for the month, month and a half. Uh, just to make sure that he is fully healed at 100% ready to go um, for the rest of the season. Uh, but certainly good update on him. Looks like he's on track uh, and could be you know, available sooner rather than later. Um, but Fred, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. Any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Well, um, I give, my, give our buddy Ryan Cawthon a, a credit for this. Uh, he has a source that says that Flowers was offered, Tyler Flowers was uh, offered a, a contract and uh, – he didn't find the author offer worthwhile, but there is there is a possibility that the Braves and Flowers want to do a deal where he becomes a coach. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm going to suggest that that's a money thing again and that they weren't going to give him uh, enough money to make it worth his while to come back and take that beating every day. And But it, they would they will pay him as a coach, which is a different pot of money. And they can get they can get him back that away uh, to help with the defense. But uh, that's our, our old pal Ryan Cawthon brought that up, and I will get, we'll give, give Ryan credit for that. Uh, the the thing about the pitching is that you're going, you've got two guys, probably um, maybe three, who are going to give you 170 innings this year, 175 uh, in Morton and Smiley and, and Max. Uh, everybody else is not going to make that. And that's where you have to have Wilson and Wright and Soroka come up and uh, Ian Anderson have to step in there. Now, I, I don't expect much more than 140, 150 out of Anderson this year. If he does more, praise the Lord, good for him. But I don't think we've got that much in there. We have to find uh, innings from pitchers across that way. Don't be surprised if you see Davidson come up and get some innings uh to just in there, maybe Anoa comes up and makes a start, but they're going to have to patch that in to get those, get that 400 and 1450 innings uh, out of the pen and the the rotation. Soroka coming back and being strong in September is the important thing. You want Soroka and Freed and Anderson and Morton strong in September. That's what you want. If you've got those four four horses ready to go into September and you're in front. Uh, you're in with a chance of this World Series. Uh, the other thing I heard today that um, people who actually have a job and work out of the house didn't hear maybe was Dansby Swanson praising Ozzy for being the guy who raises the spirits on the field and gets the team back on track when they get sideways. He smiles around. He's a, he, he, he actually is the spark plug that we talked about, that I talked about last week. Pat myself on the back for saying that. I had Swanson. The only thing Swanson has against him is he doesn't, that doesn't answer text in the winter. But in any case, um, he says that when Ozzy's back and healthy like he is now, uh, the, the the team is significantly better on the field. And we know Ozzy carried that wrist this year. He's back and healthy. He'll be one of the guys to step forward if somebody slides back. I'm positive about the lineup, avoiding injuries. We should be fine. Yeah, now that's interesting you say that about Ozzy. I was actually thinking that today when I was writing that article uh, about the the top 25, under 25, because the feature image I used for that 
was a picture of Ronnie and Ozzy. Um, and Ronnie's just kind of got a serious look on his face looking out towards the field and, and Ozzy's just smiling and laughing and, um, you know, just kind of it brought that same kind of, you know, notion that, that Dansby brought, brought up and you bring up Fred, just that, uh, Ozzy kind of is that, that spark plug for the team. Um, he does, you know, he kind of, he keep, keeps everything lighthearted, keeps everybody, um, excited in the game and, you know, people just feed off that energy. So I uh, appreciate you bringing that up. That's a really good point on Ozzy. And I know last year was, was tough for him. He really could never get going that wrist bothering him. Uh, hopefully he is, you know, healthy in 2021. And I think, you know, he's one of those players too, that they could, you know, have a much improved season uh, and cover up for some of those players who could potentially regress, but uh, great points there, Fred, Alan, anything you got before we get out of here? I'm going to talk about schedule real quick. At the beginning of the season, you can often go without a fifth starter right away because of the way off days fall. That's not going to be the case for Atlanta because almost right away they have a block of five games in a row, followed by a 10, and then another 10 later in April. So they're going to need uh, five guys in the rotation right away who can – uh, step up and, and give them innings and, and get that going. They're not going to be able to, to, to hide a fifth guy as, as it is. The other aspect is the other end of the uh, schedule, and that's that September is going to be kind of dicey. Um, while travel is going to be pretty good for most of the year, both West Coast road trips fall in September, and mm. that's un- almost unprecedented. They got to go see the Dodgers and Rockies at the beginning of September, and at the end, it's the Giants, Diamondbacks, and Padres. Uh, and in fact, the last three series of the year are against the Padres, the Phillies, and the Mets, all teams that could be competing for a spot in the uh, playoffs by that point. So that's going to be a Pretty tough way to finish out the year. So if Atlanta wants to uh, repeat as champs, they better get get their job done before uh, September hits. To be the yeah. best, you got to beat the best. Yep, that's that's absolutely the case too. And you do not want to get in a uh, wild card situation because you're going to probably face the Padres. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and that goes to the point that Fred's talking about too. That you know you want to have your your best guys healthy and ready to go you know, in September, uh, and that just kind of, you know, speaks to that even more when you get into the schedule there, Alan, because, you know, if they got Soroka, they got Freed, they got Morton, you know, they got Anderson, you know, healthy and ready to go and, and energized, you know, at the end of the season, then I don't worry about those, those games at the, at the end of the season and that schedule. Um, cause I think the Braves are, are the better team with those guys healthy and, and firing on all cylinders, but well, you got I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one more thing too. Uh, certainly if you're going to be in a playoff situation where you're going to face the best pitching, they're going to get that all year in the NL East. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Yeah. We'll, and we'll see how that goes. I don't want to. This could get rabbit hole or, or go down a rabbit hole into another conversation, but uh, I'm interested to see how the Braves' offense holds up against that. Obviously, they, there's been great pitching in the NL East four years now, but the Braves' offense has kind of been uh, do or die uh, a little bit, uh, home run heavy, and a lot of swing and miss, not being able to you know bring in that runner from third with less than two outs. So, you know, we'll see if that offensive philosophy changes at all or how they. Uh, fair, because like you said, Alan, there's, there's going to be a lot of great, a lot of good teams, a lot of great pitching in the NL East, but it's been that way, you know, really for the past three years, 
to to some extent, maybe not to the level that it will be this year. Uh, and the Braves have you know been able to to weather the storm and and get through on top. So uh, again, getting ready for getting geared up for spring training games. So that's exciting. We're already it, it looks like getting ready for the season as well too. Um, but glad to glad to have games um, back going on. I haven't seen the Braves release any kind of broadcast information yet for spring training games. I'm hoping games will at least be on radio. I'm assuming we we may not get much television coverage, but uh, as soon as we have that, you know, be I'll have that posted on Tomahawk Take. So uh, make sure that you are going to this site often. Uh, we got a lot of articles, a lot of stuff that we talked about on here. You can find in written form on TomahawkTake.com. Uh, and then, as always, make sure that you subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been the Waiver Claims edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, which is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of their participants. Nope, you can't blame Minute Media except maybe for withholding their supervision. All rights reserved. Two of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These were pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Zigzag and Glitter Blast. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. We appreciate the fact that you haven't designated us for assignment yet. We'll see you out on the field for the next inning. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.